Not quite the week of gigantic news like last week with Stanton, with Otani, with Ozuna, basically everybody involved with the Marlins and Shohei Otani. But we still do have some stuff to get to, and we did a Roto draft on Friday. I had basically the greatest draft I've ever had. So, wow. Yeah, it's wow. I, I crushed it. I I just crushed it. I love old claim. Love to play it out, Scott White. I'd love to play it out. Let's put like like six hundred dollars on it. Five hundred from you, one hundred from me. <laughs> and I, I'm very excited about this Roto team. Can't wait to share it with everybody. How you doing, Scott White? Oh, I'm good, Adam. I am so very good. Oh, so wow. very. Good. What happened? Oh, you know what happened? You know what happened, Adam? <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. Oh, it gets hard to say. It gets hard to say Benintendi over and over like. Oh, you're kidding! It's a tongue twister. Yeah, it sure is. Well, that's the board is back, baby. I'm back with the board. We moved Scott into a different room for some previous podcasts. Now he's back in the good room, and he's got the good board, and we're all better for it. So what we're gonna do is go through the news and notes briefly. And, uh, not that briefly. And they get into the roto draft. It's a 12 team roto draft, five outfielders, two catchers, uh, nine pitcher spots, corner infield, middle infield, deep leagues, much deeper than the draft we did a few weeks ago. But I think the biggest news was Carlos Santana, three years and 60 million dollars with the Philadelphia Phillies. These are the finishes for Carlos Santana at first base over his last four seasons. In points leagues, seventh, eleventh, seventh, and seventh. In Roto Leagues, 12th, 14th, 10th, and 16th. He is, as Scott has mentioned many times, a player whose value is perhaps affected most by the format. So much better in, in head-to-head parent value. Yeah. It's a much a smarter way of, much more smarter way of saying it. Um, now when I say 7th, 11th, 7th, 7th in the last four years at first base for Santana in points leagues, when guys retire or lose position eligibility at first base, they leave the player pool. So what it's really showing is of all the players who are currently eligible at first base where he finished in those four seasons. But still, the point is he's been very good in points leagues at first base. And he isn't usually a top seven or eight draft pick. So he's always good value there. But uh value up down to the same for Carlos Santana, who will be 32 years old in April. The value for Carlos Santana is more or less the same, I think. It is a smaller park, worse lineup. Um, uh, you know, I'm not, I didn't really move him in my rankings as a result of this deal. The Phillips, Phillies lineup is getting progressively better. So, you know, by the end of his contract, he probably will have a pretty good supporting cast. But for this year, I think it's about the same. The most interesting part of this deal to me is, I thought the Phillies already had a first baseman, both for now and the future, and Reese Hoskins, who obviously got some time in left field last year, too, when he was going on that that home run tear at the end of last season. And, and I guess that's where he's going to be playing full-time now uh, in the outfield, uh, which is surprising because, you know, that that basically started once he reached the majors. Definitely not a natural position for him. Um and then it also means, you know, one of Nick Williams and Aaron Altair is going to be out of the lineup from day to day. Maybe the, one of those guys will become trade bait in another deal for the Phillies. I don't know. But uh, I, I, I felt like the Phillies had their corner outfield spots and first base set. Now it's kind of crowded. Okay. And Hoskins, does he go into the year with outfield eligibility or is this something that he's going to gain? He goes in with outfield eligibility. He is actually... Among my top ten outfielders. Oh, you love Reese Hoskins? I do. I okay. do love him, and I hope the Phillies do too. I, there, there was that little bit of uh, maybe he's not going to play every day, but come on, yeah, his numbers were ridiculous last year. They got to play him every day. All right, Carlos Santana or Edwin Encarnacion? Edwin. All right, Carlos Santana or Miguel Cabrera? I'm gonna go Miggy there, uh, not with a great deal of confidence, but I'll go Miggy. Okay. Some bullpen stuff. Minnesota signed Fernando Rodney. Steve Ciszek signed with the Cubs. Zach Britton ruptured his Achilles and will miss at least six months. The Mariners signed Juan Nicasio to a two-year deal, and the Nationals signed 
Brandon Kinsler re-signed him to a two-year deal. How many closers uh, do we have out of this news? Uh, so, we have, um, well, there, there is still a closer in Baltimore. It's not Zach Britton. Right. I would assume it's Brad Brock, who filled in for Britton when Britton was dealing with all his issues last year, elbow, knee. It, I mean, I wasn't terribly excited to draft Britton going into this year because of all the all the injuries he was already trying to overcome. There's a possibility Brad Brock himself becomes trade bait, and in that case, you'll want to take a look at Michael Givens. Michael spelled M-Y-C-H-A-L. Been a pretty good setup man for them the last three years, so he's somebody to have on your radar. But between C-Sheck and Kinsler, I don't expect either to close. Sean Doolittle filled the role admirably for the Nationals down the stretch last season, and uh, the Cubs... Signed Brandon Morrow already, who yeah. I would think would get first crack at that role over C-Shack. Man, C-Shack, though, had a great year. He had a .81 whip. He had a two hundred one ERA with Seattle and Tampa Bay combined. Uh, he's He had a really good year. Morrow had a two hundred six ERA, slightly, slightly higher. They're basically the same. Morrow had a higher whip. The only thing he did better is he had a better strikeout rate. But uh, I don't know. There's a case to be made there for C-Shack. And I drafted Brandon Morrow in the Roto League before this news, and that's part of the reason why I think I have the greatest – Roto roster ever? <laughs> no, you got a good deal on Morrow. It was we're kind of in in no man's land here with Morrow when we're doing these drafts now in December. It's why people don't draft teams in December. Sure, <laughs> normally um, round eighteen, first he, pick of round eighteen for me. Right, right. Nobody was willing to draft Morrow, assuming he'll be the Cubs closer. Uh, but obviously, if we knew he wasn't going to be the Cubs closer, he wouldn't get drafted at all. So he kind of gets drafted in a spot where he won't actually be drafted come March. Uh, this was before the C-Shack signing, though, and um, we all suspected the Cubs were going to add another reliever. If that's the only other reliever they're adding, then it's it's kind of a big deal for Morrow's value. I just haven't really seen anything, anything to suggest that they aren't going to still pursue a, a more proven ninth-inning option. Okay, and then do you think Fernando Rodney, I mean, is he going to be the closer for the Twins, and, and do you trust him? Rodney, uh, boy... Got off to such a bad start. He had a 12.60 ERA in April, and then he had a 2.38 ERA the rest of the season with a total of 39 saves and 45 chances. Oh, I don't trust him, but he, <laughs> I do think he's going to get the first crack. I mean, how many how many years in a row now have we said it's just a matter of time before Rodney loses it, this his is job? It. This is it. This this is it. He's You're 41. Now. He's going to be 41 in March. He's he's no, he stinks. Yeah. Well. Uh, I've heard that one before. I know. I, I don't think he's very good. Obviously, he was much better, what, the last four months for the yeah, Diamondbacks? Five, yeah. That, that ERA got skewed there early. Um, but he's 41, right? Yep. He'll be, in March, and, he'll be 41. Yeah. I mean, the bottom's going to give out eventually. Um, it's not a big investment for the Twins, but I, I don't know that their closer situation is necessarily resolved with this signing. And... Rodney's going to be one of the last 30 expected closers that I'll be drafting. Again, with the assumption that you know, he's going to lose it, even yeah. though it hasn't it hasn't gone that way in the past. All right. Uh, let's see. We got the Atlanta Dodgers trade. Big salary dump that's going to get Acuna in the lineup. What do you think about the uh, Braves-Dodgers trade? What's the big – Matt Kemp going to the Dodgers. and yeah, what, What's the big yeah. fantasy fallout here? Matt Kemp isn't going to play for the Dodgers. Adrian Gonzalez has already been let go by the Braves. It was really just about rearranging money, about the same amount of money exchanged hands. Uh, but the Dodgers have that money spread over two years, and the Braves have it all confined to 2018. So uh, that was what that was all about, even though there were some big names involved. Um, now, Brandon McCarthy and Scott Casimir both went to the Braves, I would assume McCarthy will enter spring training as a favorite for a rotation spot. Uh, obviously, the Dodgers had like nine potential pitchers, so he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna see the light of day there. Um, but also, Scott Casimir, he had some shoulder issues last year that kept him out, and, and the velocity wasn't quite right when he did try to pitch. Uh, but he's I, I don't know that we've seen the last of Scott Casimir as a major league starter and potentially a fantasy contributor, though obviously on the low end. So that's going to be something to watch this spring. Um, but it, you, you mentioned the Acuna thing. 
which I don't know. Like there were, it was a foregone conclusion. Matt Kemp wasn't going to be on the Braves roster next year, and Ronald Acuna was. I don't know if it'll be opening day. They may do the thing like the Cubs did with Chris Bryant, where they wait two weeks to get an extra year of team control. They probably should do that. But um, it's pretty obvious now. Acuna is the the hyped prospect who everybody's going to be drafting in like you know round fourteen and up. Yeah, and he, he get ready for the Acuna Matata team names. Of course, right? Acuna. Yeah, he actually went round ten of our wow. roto draft. Wow, which uh, was is five outfielder league, of course. Um, I don't know. It, it's a little earlier than I'm going to 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 roll the dice on him because he's 20 years old, and I mean he started last year in high class A, but obviously surged through the minors, got better at every stop. Strangely enough, every time he moved up, his numbers were actually better, including plate discipline. Well, yeah, and, and here's just a very exciting prospect. Here I mean, are the uh, outfielders that he went just ahead of uh, with the 11th pick of round 10. It was Ronald Acuna, and then it was Gregory Polanco, Chris Taylor, Adam Jones, Marwin Gonzalez, Adam Eaton. Oh, I was so pissed. I would have, if I had gotten Adam Eaton, oh, just forget it. Like, I clearly would have won the draft. But I had to settle for Brett Gardner with the next pick. But yeah, so it's Acuna, then Polanco, Taylor, Adam Jones, Marwin Gonzalez, uh, yeah, Eaton and Gardner. What do you think? Do you think yeah. it belongs there? I mean, some of those I would take Acuna ahead of them. Some of them I'd take him behind them. Uh, who would you, who would you take ahead? Team. Who would you take ahead of him? Uh, I would take Eaton ahead of him. Of course. Great pick. I have Acuna. Let's see here. I have Acuna 45th in my outfield rankings. Um, so, yeah, I have Gardner ahead of him. I have Chris Taylor ahead of him. Marwan Gonzalez ahead of him. Uh, it sounds like... I'm going to, you know, and, and I may adjust. Obviously, spring training plays out. We'll see how much attention, how how how, uh, how productive he is this spring. Because obviously, I used the Chris Bryant comparison earlier. Chris Bryant surged up draft boards the spring he event, you know, the year he broke through because he had like nine home runs that spring. If Acuna does something like that this spring, I'm going to have no choice but to move him up my outfield rankings. But as things stand now, uh, I have him 45th, which means I'm not planning on drafting him much. And I may regret it. Obviously, there's a lot of upside there, but outfield is a position where there's a lot of upside in a lot of places. And yeah. uh, I generally am not one to gamble on 20-year-olds. It's just exceptionally young. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, other trades? You got Ian Kinsler going from the Tigers to the Angels. The Angels also signed Zach Cozart, who's going to play third base for them. That's a three-year, $38 million deal. Last year, Cozart had a really nice year. He batted 297, 385 on base, 548 slugging percentage. Really good year. He said uh, he changed his batting stance, and that helped Zach Cozart. And Evan Longoria, yep. this just came in today. He's traded from the Rays to the Giants for Christian Arroyo, Denard Span, and two minor league pitchers. Uh, is there any question about this? Who's the best player, Kinsler, Cozart, or Longoria? Just like best fantasy player. That's a good question. Uh, Cozart hasn't been getting drafted. He didn't get drafted high in either of our drafts. But I think he probably deserves to be the highest drafted of the three just because he's, I know he's going to be playing third base for the Angels. Waste of a glove, by the way. But you're going to play him at shortstop in fantasy. And, um, <laughs> I'm not totally sold on what he did for the Reds last year. It was, you know, 32 year old doing things he's never done before. But, um, if you just judge him off the peripherals, it's not like anything he was doing didn't add up. It's just, it was completely foreign to us. Um, Zach Cozart doing things like that. The power was better. He, uh, he walked more. And, uh, I'm, I'm not betting on a full repeat, but considering, Shortstop is a position where it drops off pretty quickly after the top five or six. The Zach Cozart is uh, as worthy of a gamble as anyone outside of that group. Yeah, cool. I think you took him for me in the points league draft that we did a few weeks ago, like really, really late. And let's just see where Cozart went in this roto draft. He went toward the end of round 14. 
pretty, pretty good. I'm trying to think if there was anything I did at age 32 that I had never done before. You said Cozart had never done that. I don't think so. Uh, I think 32 is a pretty boring year for me. You, uh, well, no, I guess you were already thir- 33 when you got married. Yeah, that's so. where I was going with that. Yeah, 33 was like right at the mm-hmm. beginning of age 33 I got married. But Everything you did at age 32 you'd done before. 31. I think you're playing it a little too safe, Adam, this whole life thing. 31 I got engaged. You know, you only live once. Yeah, I know. Which, by the way, you know, people say you only live once as an excuse to do reckless and dangerous things. I think you only live once means you should be a little more cautious, protect that one life you have, but <laughs> that that's just me. I, I think YOLO has been completely mischaracterized. It's actually a call to... To prudence. <laughs> oh wow, I never thought of it that way. Wow, what a what a boring take on YOLO. <laughs> uh, Boston Simon. That's Mitch what I'm here. Hey, there you go. There you go. Um, okay, Boston signed Mitch Moreland to a two-year, thirteen million dollar deal. He's a defensive player for them. The Astro, an Astro player, told Sports Illustrated that you Darvish was tipping his pitches in the World Series, and he was terrible in the World Series. San Diego acquired Freddie Galvis from Philadelphia. For a minor league pitcher, and that means we got another prospect alert, right, Scott? Uh, sure. And yell, and yell de los Santos? No, 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 for Philadelphia. Oh, right. I was gonna say, yeah, that's not terribly exciting. Okay, so, uh, yeah. Well, JP Crawford, yes. uh, who I, you know, played some third base down the stretch for the Phillies last year, uh, in last September. And, uh, uh again, whether they tra- traded Galvis or not, I felt like they were going to find a lineup spot for Crawford. Even if it came at the expense of Michael Franco, who's been pretty disappointing the last two years. But now they could just play them both. Crawford's going to enter next year with as, as only a third base eligible player. He's going to regain shortstop eligibility where he'll be more valuable. And he's been on the prospect radar for a while. If you just look at his, his season long numbers, AAA last year and really the last couple years, you might be underwhelmed, but he's always a player that the scouting reports have favored. He's always had terrific plate discipline, and over his final, uh, I think, like month and a half or two months at AAA last year, he just he turned the corner. OPS a little over 900, batted about 280 with power, and and again a high on base guy. So I am more excited to draft Crawford next year than I am maybe like Ahmed Rosario for the Mets. I just feel like. Um, He's shown a little more recently and has a little more to fall back on with that, that good, uh, good walk rate. JP Crawford did not get drafted in our Roto draft, which starts a middle infielder. It was 12 teams. It was 23 rounds. I'm sure he would have been drafted with a bench spot. Would you rather have? I'm sure he would have been drafted if he was already shortstop eligible sure. since we were only drafting starting lineups. On right. the Rosario went round 21. Would you rather have, uh, Cozart or Crawford? Cozart. Okay. And finally. I have Cozart ranked ahead of Xander Bogarts. It's pretty clear to me nobody's going to draft him that way, but I would. Mm, I wonder. Uh, I know you really have a anti Bogarts thing. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. Texas acquired Matt Moore from San Francisco. No, thank you. And Cole Hamels is donating his mansion, his gigantic mansion, like a hundred acres, to charity, a charity for special needs children. Very cool story. Very good stuff, Cole Hamels. Well, let's talk about the greatest team ever and the Roto Draft that we did on Friday. First, some noteworthy picks. Trey Turner went fourth overall. Fourth overall for Trey Turner. He definitely has 60 steal potential, if not more. But, yikes. Fourth overall, what'd you think? Yeah, say it with me, Adam. Yeah, stolen, stolen, stolen scarcity. People are scared of it. Uh, the, tr- the scarcity scares people. Yeah, and it should, but um, not this much. It shouldn't scare them this much. I have Trey Turner about eleventh, about eleventh. I I do have him eleventh <laughs> in my rankings. Um, which isn't to say I don't think this spot could work out. I'm going to bring up points leagues because it's easier to make these kind these kinds of comparisons. But ter- Trey Turner on a per game basis was actually the b- best player, the best shortstop in points leagues last year. And obviously, you're not worried about a sto- stolen base scarcity in that format. So he could be uber valuable 
Um, but he, uh, he has to obviously maintain the stolen base pace he's on and they're getting a new manager in Washington. I feel like hitters as good as Trey Turner is, uh, rarely sustain that kind of stolen base pace for long. And I do think Trey Turner's a better hitter than he showed last year, which is part of the reason why this could turn out okay. Well, he got off to a terrible start and then. Well, and just looking at the part of the, part of the reason I thought he could sustain his rookie batting average or close to it was because his line drive rate was one of the best in the majors as a rookie. And then last year, his sophomore season, it was one of the worst in the majors. So, um, (laughs) if he just finds the middle ground there, he's going to improve the batting average a good bit. It could end up being a fine pick, but I I think there are enough there's enough downside that I wouldn't want to pass up a uh, you know the very next players Nolan Arenado it doesn't get any safer than that and there's you can get stolen bases after this point yeah I I just want to do some quick math here okay remember the remember 128 Scott okay 128 uh oh basically a full season he's played 171 games. In the mm-hmm. major leagues, in t- over two seasons. In those 171 games, Trey Turner has scored 128 runs. <laughs> I mean, that's like 125 runs or so in, in 162. That's incredible. So mm-hmm. you're not just getting steals, you're getting runs. You're and- getting runs, and you may get batting average, and you'll get, hopefully, a decent number of home runs for a shortstop. I mean, he's a first-rounder, yeah. without question. It's okay. just... Where does he compare to the other first rounders? And I, I think I would go safety over upside at this stage of the draft. Well, the thing is about, okay, so it went Trout, Altuve, Goldschmidt, Turner, Arenado, Stanton six, Harper, Betts, Blackman, Kershaw, Correa, Machado. I had the 12th pick, Scott had the third pick, Chris Towers had the 10th pick. Um, so the thing about, Fantasy baseball. If you ever get a chance to play with Justin Mason, Justin is in this draft. He took Trey Turner fourth. He is a fantasy writer for Fangraphs and Fantasy Alarm. And he makes stolen bases a lot more scarce than they used to be. Because Justin Mason's first three picks were uh, Trey Turner, followed by Francisco Lindor, like a 20-steal guy, and then D. Gordon. And then in the seventh round, he took Billy Hamilton. So yep. not not only does he want to win steals, he doesn't want you to <laughs> have any chance to win steals. Uh, but it was an interesting strategy. So it was th- it was very because not just like, oh he's overkilling it on steals, but in an era where home runs are you know it's it's you got to even make a more conscious effort to keep up in home runs. He has, I would estimate, um, maybe thirty. 30 to 35 home runs between his first three picks. 30 to 35. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I'm you know sorry. what? That's, that's selling it short. I forget. I forgot Lindor himself hit 33 last year. Uh, I don't expect Lindor to hit 33 again, but, you know, let's say more like, uh, let's say more like 45 home runs between his first three picks. Yeah, but then his next three picks combined for 112 home runs last year. So he, his first six, seven picks were Turner, Lindor, D. Gordon, that's like 150 steals there potentially. Then Edwin Encarnacion, Nelson Cruz, and Justin Upton, who combined for 112 home runs, and then yep. Billy Hamilton. So he's got in his first seven picks, he has like 220 to 230 steals potential with four guys. And last year in in one of our roto leagues, uh, 172 steals won the category in a 12 team roto league, and he's got a lot more than that. I think it's yeah. overkill personally. And the one thing that you'll notice yep. is that. Justin didn't draft a pitcher. So his pitching staff is, I think, really bad, but it's a lot of high upside guys. But it's Michael Fulmer, Luis Castillo, Alex Reyes, Garrett Richards, Luke Weaver. Alex Wood might have been the first one taken. So Alex Wood, Castillo, Weaver, Richards, Fulmer, Alex Reyes, um, Blake Trinan, Chase Anderson, and Archie Bradley. So he might be bad in saves. I mean, I don't see a closer here, except maybe Trinan in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Maybe Bradley in Arizona. Oh, yeah. Actually, oh, we didn't talk about that with Fernando Rodney gone. So, yeah, Bradley could be the closer. That could be great. 
Uh, you, he could be, but maybe um, not. I'm going to reserve judgment on that situation because they've they've expressed reluctance in the past to use Archie Bradley as a closer because they still intend for him to be a starter someday. And Patrick Corbin has been on the trade market this off season. I mean, Zach Greinke's gotten some mentions as potentially being a trade option, but more realistically, Corbin could be on the move, and that could open a spot for Bradley in the rotation, in which case they'd have to look elsewhere for a closer. Uh, but in either scenario, Bradley would be gaining value. Definitely something to monitor. I wonder if Justin, who took four steals guys with his first seven picks, he took Hamilton in, in round seven. I wonder if he would have taken Chris Archer if you didn't take Archer one spot ahead. Um, the next pick, the next pitcher off the board was Zach Godley, then James Paxton. Nobody as proven as Chris Archer. Dallas Keuchel's there, but I wonder if he would have done that. And I, I don't know. It just first of all, I would never spend my first seven pick. And I'm not insulting Justin. Maybe he knows what he's doing, and this is not my best format necessarily. Yeah. But I would never spend my first seven. Let's see, eight, uh, nine, uh, ten. I'm just saying that when he took a pitcher, eleven, ten picks yeah. on hitters. And that to me, I, I just can't do it in this, in this landscape. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, he's kind of committing to, and, and it could work out great, but he's kind of committing to a high, higher maintenance strategy here where he is purposely overdoing it in steals, like going to get first place in that category by a landslide, um, barring something unforeseen. And of course, you don't even necessarily need to win the category to, uh, you know, that's not necessarily what you're trying to do is win any one category. I think if you, I, for most people, I would say if you get any one of Turner, Gordon, or Hamilton, you don't need to get either of the others. But he's purposely overkilling in his deals, relying on making a trade yeah, later. Right. And, uh, for the pitching staff, he's going to, uh, it's going to depend on him playing, the waiver wire pretty aggressively because you can't assume all of those pitchers have upside. Yes, but you can't assume they're all going to hit on their upside. Maybe half of them will. And even the ones that do, they're going to have innings issues. So you're going to have trouble keeping up in wins and strikeouts. You're going to have to play the two start pitchers a little more often than somebody who invested in the higher end starting pitchers. So it, it, there, there's going to be there more, uh, more work that needs to be done for this team than there does, than there would be for maybe a team that followed a more traditional approach. But that's not to say it, it won't work. You just, you kind of have to know your own style of play and how likely you are to be able to make trades in your leagues, what kind of, what the waiver wire is going to look like afterward, et cetera. Let's talk about our first picks and what was different for you in this league as opposed to maybe a points league. Because you do have to think about Categories now, not just position scarcity, but category scarcity. So Trout, then Altuve, uh, then you took Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, yeah. So then Turner, Arenado, Stanton, whatever. But it, I mean, I guess the top three are kind of easy picks. But you, you took Goldschmidt here. Yeah, and for me, it was it would have been between Goldschmidt and Arenado. Trout and Altuve are my number one and two. And I'm not really going to think about, about it twice if I get the chance to take either of them. But, um, Goldschmidt, I think is not quite as safe as Arenado, but pretty darn safe. Obviously going to give you some stolen bases that Arenado won't. And, um, I, that first tier at first base is going to be depleted by the time the round two gets back to me. For sure. I'm not going to have a chance at Freddie Freeman or Anthony Rizzo or any of them. When at third base, you know, a couple rounds from now, you can still look to Josh Donaldson, Justin Turner a little after that. And, uh, you know, they're a lower rung than Arenado, but I don't feel like the gap is as wide as that first group at first base and what comes after that. So I opt for Goldschmidt over Arenado for those two reasons. And you took... Felt like I was given a book report. You took a third baseman in the second round with the third to last pick. You took Jose Ramirez. I did. And, uh, yeah. well, I actually took Jose Ramirez to play second base. Okay. okay. And I suspect most people will. He's the number two second baseman for me. He's the number four third baseman. And, um, yeah, the second base drops off a lot faster. So I, I think of him as more of a second base, but I, because I hadn't already filled third base, 
when I drafted Ramirez in the second round, it, it gave me options. Um, if I, you know, if a good second baseman happened to fall in my lap, I could have moved Ramirez to third. Sure. All right. Trout, Altuve, Goldschmidt, Trey Turner, Arenado, Giancarlo Stanton, Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts, Charlie Blackman. What do you think of that order of outfielders? Stanton, Harper, Betts, Blackman. Uh, I would, it would be different from mine. Mine would be Blackman, Harper, I'm sorry, mine would be Harper, Blackman, Stanton, Betts, and Stanton only me- recently moved ahead of Betts for me with the, the trade to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. But I do think they need to go basically in secession like they did here in the first round. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get Carlos Correa mixed up with them. He comes a little later in round one. Uh, I want to get Clayton Kershaw mixed up with them. I, I think more or less it's it's what people should be looking to do. I made a change based on the Stanton trade. I was I waited a long time to get a first baseman because it is a really deep position. And I took Greg Bird, and I think I did this because I'm a homer and I like I have a crush on Greg Bird. But I took Greg Bird with the last pick of the fifteenth round. And then I didn't pick again for another 24 picks, another two rounds. I was going to take Justin Bohr. I was deciding between Bohr and Bird. And before the Stanton trade, I would have gone Bohr. I probably should take Bohr anyway, but I believe in Bird. But I just think, like, in terms of runs and RBIs, Bird is in such a better spot than Justin Bohr now. But mm-hmm. Bohr went so late. I almost got Justin Bohr as my corner infielder. Two rounds later, 24 picks later, but Chris took him two picks before I did. So he went with the 10th pick of round 17, Justin Bohr. I thought that was tremendous value. Uh, and I thought Greg Bird with the, with the 12th pick of round 15 was good value too. I know you don't really like Greg Bird that much, but I just think it goes to show you that there are going to be a lot of first base eligible players that you are, go- that you'll like late yeah. in the draft. Uh, yeah. But- I mean, I'm in a weird spot with Bohr because he may be, he may be on his own there in Miami. I mean, they already traded their two best hitters, Stanton and Ozuna. Yelich wants out. Real Muto wants out. I don't know that either of them are, are going to get their way, but there's a chance. And Bohr might be all alone out there. And while he did show some encouraging signs last year with the plate discipline and some of the batted ball, the batted ball profile, um, I'm not sure he's a player who can carry himself like right. that. Right. So it, I, yeah, I don't know that. Like I said, like I, like you said, I don't really love Greg Bird, at least relative to the masses. So I don't know that um, there's going to be a real Boar Bird predicament for me, but Boar relative to somebody like Josh Bell, Boar Bell Bird, Boar Bird Bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rank them using last names only. Bell Boar Bird. Bell Boar Bird. Bell Biv DeVoe. Two of them are members of our animal kingdom. Bell, Boar, Biv. <laughs> our, our animal kingdom, yes. Not some other planet's animal kingdom. Thank you. It's good to know. All right. So, um, again, uh, it's Trout, Altuve, Goldschmidt, Turner, Arenado, Stanton, Harper, Betts, Blackman. Gets a little more interesting after those first nine picks. Chris, Ta- Chris Towers to Clayton Kershaw? What the heck? What? Did an alien invade wait, Chris wait. Towers' body? What? Oh, uh, there you go. Uh, Clayton Kershaw to Chris. Sergio to Carlos Correa. I took Manny Machado with the, with my 12th pick, and then I had the 13th pick. I took Max Scherzer. And Scherzer was the easy one for me. I took, I took Machado over Bryant because I would actually rather have Bryant at third base, but at the time, it seemed like Machado was going to get traded and had a really good chance to gain shortstop eligibility. Now there's talk today that they're not going to trade him, perhaps. They might pull off the offers. Uh, yeah. That doesn't mean he won't make five appearances at some point, but the fact that Machado could earn shortstop sh- uh, eligibility—that's why I took him over Bryant. Yeah, that was the most interesting pick of the first round. I thought he got the it 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 earned Machado the cover photo for the write up of oh, this hey, draft, right. and I wrote about him in the lead because it did seem like a pick inspired by some of the chatter going on uh, during hot stove season. You know, you could have just Machado asked, you could have asked to go me somewhere he can play shortstop. So. You could have asked me, Scott. Well, I would have told you, but I, I felt like, I felt like we were simpatico yeah. and I could just tell. It's true. I could, I could just tell what you were thinking, Adam. Team scam. 
Team scam. Team scam. We're uh, I would have taken Brian ahead of him. But I understood your thinking. Yeah. If, if Machado is for sure a shortstop within the first, with, but by week two of the fantasy baseball season, you can start him as shortstop, then, then he's more valuable than Brian. And Brian's not outfield eligible anymore. Nope. He was last year, but not this year. All right. So, uh, the first dual eligible player who is going to be drafted in fantasy is Jose Ramirez. Oh, okay. Trey Turner isn't anymore. Manny Machado isn't. Chris Bryant isn't. Uh, you gotta go till Ramirez. Usually it'll be in the, the back half of the second round. Second round looks like this. Scherzer, Bryant, Vado, Freeman. I don't think I really need to get into why I took Max Scherzer. I think people know by now I want an ace. And, uh, there are four, like, Four pitchers that are cut above, they all went within the first 18 picks. And I got the second one, Max Scherzer. So Scherzer, Bryant, Votto, and you get your first baseman run here. Votto and Freeman, Sale and Kluber. This is an interesting pick. Seventh pick of round two, J.D. Martinez off the board. And then Anthony Rizzo. I mean, you want safety with the eighth pick of round two. You got, like, the safest player, Anthony Rizzo. Um, so yep. that, that's a great pick. But what did you think about J.D. Martinez going in the middle of round two? I I don't have a problem with it. Um he went he went after Stanton in this draft, which wasn't the case in our first draft. I did have a problem with that. I would rather have Rizzo than Martinez, but you know, between Martinez and and what comes afterward, Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Aaron Judge, George Springer, first of all, I think he fits he's in the right spot there among the outfielders and if you're not uh you're not as focused on the position scarcity, drafting, wanting to fill that short stuff spot with Lindor. Um, I think Martinez, the overall production is probably going to be better. And uh, obviously there's five outfielder spots to fill. So I don't right. have a problem with it at all. I mean, he is really good. He had 45 home runs in 119 games last year. And yeah, that'll, that'll he, probably be, be his record pace, but he had 38 home runs in a, basically a full season in 2015. He's really good, JD Martinez. He actually homered more frequently than Giancarlo Stanton last year. If he hadn't missed that time the beginning of the year, I think with a foot injury, then uh, maybe he's the guy threatening 60 home runs. He, I don't know that he can do it again. I mean, he, he has been a solid player in fantasy, a very solid power hitter. But that was a new level for Martinez that I'm I'm not totally convinced he can sustain, but what's the downside? It's still probably a borderline second-round outfielder. And you're getting a good batting average from him lately too. I mean, well, last four seasons, 315, 282, 307, 303. It's uh yeah, he's a, he's a very good player without a team as of right now. Uh the rest of round 2 after JD Martinez and Anthony Rizzo is Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Aaron Judge, and George Springer. I got to be honest with you, Scott. I I knew that I had 12 12 and 13, picks 12 and 13. And then I know I didn't pick again until 36 and 37. I was considering, very briefly, in a two-catcher league, considering Gary Sanchez with one of my first two picks. Get out of town. It would have been early, but I knew I wasn't going to get him at the end of the third round. But he went a lot later than I thought. He went in the middle of the third round. I thought Gary Sanchez would be a late second-round pick in a two-catcher league. Uh, so it surprised me how late he went. He didn't go in one of the first two rounds. So then round three begins with an interesting pick of Madison Bumgarner. Do you trust him to be the number five pitcher and uh, the 25th player off the board, Madison Bumgarner? He's my number seven pitcher. So I guess technically no. I have Granke and Verlander before him, but there's there's a theme there. They're all reliable 200 innings guys. I, I know Bumgarner fell short of it because of a freak incident last year, but – a very reliable 200 inning guy before that. Um, and I think that's, that's what you're paying up for. Somebody who can deliver ace production in a, over a, and has already proven he can, he can ex- extend himself like that over a full season. So, uh, somebody wants to take him fifth among starting pitchers. I don't have a huge problem with it. It's just, are the Giants going to be any better this year? And, uh, I don't know that Longoria is going to be enough to turn the tide there but at the same time they have some other hitters who they or some other players who they're hoping will bounce back and maybe they're maybe it ends up being an okay season for the Giants all right we move on to the rest of round three and then we'll talk about our teams our strategies 
I'm guessing we will not have a show next week during Christmas week. Are you in next week, Scott? No, I am not. So we will not have a show. Uh, maybe, well, maybe I'll be in, so maybe Chris and I will do something. I don't know what his schedule is. But happy holidays, by the way, to everybody out there. Madison Bumgarner, Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, D. Gordon, Gary Sanchez, fifth pick of round three. Alex Howie. Bregman. Whoa. Thought I was high on Bregman in the points league draft. He went even higher in the Roto League draft. Well, I'm going to guess Lore Michaels drafted him in both. No, I drafted him in the in the points. Oh, league. did you? Okay. But Lore uh, well, took Lore him Michaels over. Was a participant. Lore Michaels of um, SNL. <laughs> I think I'm pronouncing it right. L A W R. I think you are. Yeah. Lore. But the the SNL guy is also Lore Michaels. Right? No, it's Lorne with a Lorne Michaels. Any okay. Indian, yeah. I hadn't made that connection before, so that was interesting. Really? Uh, really, I hadn't. You are the only person. I'm going to speak for Laura Michaels. You're the only person in the world who's ever seen his name and not made that connection. You know how many <laughs> SNL jokes that guy's gotten? And I've never even met him. Uh, well, my point is he seems to have some very um, fixed opinions on players. He paid up for a lot of the same guys in both of the drafts we did. I got you. Joey Gallo, Karis Davis. And there are a few others. I got you. I'm um, very, I like Bregman a lot. I think he's got a chance to be that breakout guy, but yeah. I wouldn't take him over Josh Donaldson. Who no, I wouldn't. One either. pick after him. Uh, I mean, the difference, the biggest difference is Bregman is you can play him at shortstop. Right, right, but, right. The Donaldson could win, you know, he could put up first round caliber numbers again. I don't think it shock anybody. Yeah. You're getting him in there, here in the middle of round three. I so. still take Donaldson, even with, right. even with the eligibility. I'd take him, I'd take Donaldson over D. Gordon. I'd take him over Corey Seager, probably. Um, he fell, he fell farther than he should. But if you started your team with Paul Goldschmidt and, um, Carlos Correa, and you had power but no speed, you would take Donaldson over Gordon? Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to pay that much for speed if I can help it. And um I I know I ended up in a pretty good shape as far as speed goes. Oh, by the way, I said I'd take Donaldson over Corey Seeger. I was the one who took Corey Seeger in this draft. So maybe <laughs> maybe I won it. Uh I did already have Jose Ramirez at that point, but um I guess I just wanted to uh I you know what? I knew I had Justin Turner as a fallback and I was able to draft him in round five. So that's why I did that. But anyway, getting back to uh, what I was saying about speed. Um, there are other speed sources out there. You don't have to get the guy who's going to give you 50 or 60 steals. There's Whit Merrifield is part of the player pool now. There's Tommy Pham. Um, I'm just looking at guys I drafted because I feel like I ended up in pretty good shape oh. for speed. Why don't you take a look at the guy I drafted at the end of the fifth round? Best pick of the draft. Who is it? Starling Marte. Sure. Oh, yeah, what a pick there too. by me. Like, you don't have to get – you don't have to rely on one guy to carry you in steals. In fact, it's probably better if you don't because if that guy gets injured, your whole plan crumbles. But can we just praise me? I'm sorry. But okay, go ahead. Yeah, there's no way, job. there's no way Starling Marte is going to be drafted 60th overall in a Roto League. As the end of round five? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was terrific. It was pretty good. I mean, I see Reese Hoskins went right before him, and I have Pia Hoskins as a top 10 outfielder, so, you know. Well, he but, went before him, Scott. There's nothing I can do about that. I didn't if, have that pick. If Carlos Santana is the most points league specific player, the biggest uh, the the one who gains the most value in that format, then Starling Marte is the other side of the coin. Yeah. The player who gains the most in categories-based formats. I feel like, I, I don't know if you could look this up, but I feel like Marte was a second-round pick in Roto last year. I think it was third round. Yeah, at the latest it was going third. off memory. Yeah. But you're relying on him bouncing back all the way. I mean, he wasn't, there was the steroid suspension, of course, the PED suspension, but he also really wasn't himself when he did play, hit only 275. And a lot of what you're paying for is batting average. He ran just as well yeah, as he always right. has. He still was on like a 45 steal pace. So, yeah. uh, I mean, you still get that. Okay. So anyway, 
Moving on, back to round three, finishing off round three. After we had Bregman, we had Donaldson, then Jose Abreu, Steven Strasburg, who says he might not pitch in the All-Star game anymore because it messed up his routine, Brian Dozier, Luis Severino, and Jacob deGrom. And let's talk about – you can see all the results here on the website on Fantasy News on cbssports.com slash fantasy. But I think it's more interesting if we talk about our teams and what we did – and I, you know, you you do need to get a mix of power and speed, but Scott and I are both not exactly willing to overpay for speed like others would. Uh, you have to be conscientious of speed throughout the draft, and when the value makes sense, if there is a speed guy, you should probably take him. Uh, I do, I didn't think that was great value for D Gordon with Josh Donaldson and uh, Gary Sanchez still on the board. But, for example, I did draft Whit Merrifield, who stole 30, uh, 33 bases last year, I believe mm-hmm. it was. Yep. And I took him in round seven, I want to say. Uh, round six, actually. End of round six, I took Whit Merrifield. Um, but, you know, that was around guys like Moustakis and Hosmer and Justin Upton, really into the second tier of hitters. So, uh, you know, I wasn't passing up an elite option for the stolen base potential of Merrifield, who, by the way, I like a lot. I know he kind of came out of nowhere, but the uh, the batted ball profile, the contact rate, his minor league track record, they all pretty much support what he did last year. So, okay, great. That's good to know. All right, I'm just, I always let you go first, but since I'm so excited about my team, I'm going to go first. And I did put uh, more of an emphasis on pitching than I usually do. So you might not love my lineup, but you should because it's good. So i actually pretty happy to get two guys that I think have top ten potential at catcher, and I got them fairly late. I have Evan Gaddis, who I took at the end of round, last pick of round nine, and Wilson Ramos, who I took with the first pick of round 16. Gaddis and Ramos there. And Gaddis apparently is uh, scheduled to be the full-time DH for Houston. So, I mean, you really might have a top five catcher there. It's not, doesn't take much yep. to be a top five catcher. We've said that a few times for Gaddis and it's never really worked out, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm there again. I mean, it's so hard to get production at catcher and yeah, it sounds like again, this could be the year for Gaddis. Greg Bird at first base. I, I waited a long time. Daniel Murphy at second base, hoping he's ready for opening day. The Nationals are optimistic. I'm thinking he won't be, but not long after that. Manny Machado at third. Elvis Andrews, who I took right at my two back-to-back picks, 60 and 61 overall, were Starling Marte and Elvis Andrews, so that helped me address speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Jason Kipnis at middle infield, Yuli Gurriel at corner infield. This is the one that really hurt me because I really wanted Justin Bohr there, but he went two picks before me, so I settled on Gurriel, who showed some promise late in the year. Um, Jay Bruce is a really underrated outfielder. He's like... 30 home runs and 90-something RBIs, and it almost seems like set in stone. He's a little streaky. Yeah, I'm going to be concerned if he winds up in San Francisco. That would suck. But otherwise, I agree with you. I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves. And he's back to being a 250 hitter. He's not that 220 hitter that was a total drain on your batting average. But uh, Let's see, 69 home runs and 200 RBIs in his last two seasons. So Jay Bruce, Starling Marte, Brett Gardner— Kyle Schwarber and Aaron Hicks. And I didn't love Aaron Hicks as my number five outfielder, but it was pretty thin at that point. Also, I think I had gone on the air to do a different podcast while I was, oh, a football podcast while I was drafting. So I finished off with Chris Davis of the Orioles as my utility. You could do worse as like your last hitter. Well, that was Mr. Irrelevant, Chris Davis. Was it? Yeah. I was auto picking. I must have been, I I had him in my queue. I had him in my queue. I I said, you know, we're as as the draft was winding down. I think we had two rounds to go. Uh, I was amazed that Chris Davis in a roto draft, Chris Davis, Mister Home Run, yeah, ha- still hadn't been taken yet. And I, I, you know, if we're just basing it on last year's numbers, it makes total sense. But he's always been a guy who whose strikeout rate makes for a lot of volatility there, and it, it could swing back the other way this year. You could get a, Great production out of him. Yeah, I, I think the biggest problem that I have in Roto Leagues is I don't pay enough attention to batting average. So when I have guys like Jay Bruce, K- 
Kyle Schwarber, Chris Davis, Evan Gaddis. Like, I've got a lot of guys who could really kill my batting average. So you have to make yep. sure you you balance it out. And you do have Marte and Yuli Gurriel who should help some to balance out, but I I don't think I don't think it's enough, especially if you know you don't get the best case scenario from Greg Bird and you don't get the best case scenario from Kyle Schwarber. Um, you know those guys could hit. 240 or lower and I don't think it'd shock anybody. Okay. So it's, it's something you're, oh, you also have Daniel Murphy there that counteracts. Yeah, it's good too. It's, you do have, you do have something to work with there in terms of batting average. And my pitching staff, I like a lot. Scherzer, DeGrom, uh, Dallas Keuchel, John Lester, Rich Hill, Sean Manaya, and I have three closers. I have, well, I hope I have three closers. I have Greg Holland, Corey Knable, and Brandon Morrow. So it's Scherzer, DeGrom, Keichel, Rich Hill, Lester, and Manaya. And when I took Manaya, there were, there were like five pitchers on the board that had a lot of upside. So, um, you know, th- there were good ones available late. And then the closers were Holland, Knable, and Brandon Morrow. So I think I have a very strong pitching staff. I was very happy with the way the team played out. Definitely a good closer trio, and uh, can't complain about number numbers one, two, and I guess three in your pitching staff. Is who Keuchel? Yeah, Scherzer, Degrom, and Keuchel. Keuchel could be an awesome number three. He could be a pretty ordinary number three. He's still, still seems like a wide range of possible outcomes for him. Yeah, but when Rich Hill pitches, he's, he could be like my, my number one. Not <laughs> <Is that> good. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. So let's see Scott White's team. So basically, I I didn't want to overpay for speed. I did prioritize pitching. I thought there were good hitters late. Um, I think Jay Bruce is underrated. I, I think actually Aaron Hicks is is worth taking a flyer on late because before his oblique injury, he was having a breakout year, and they were always pretty high on him. They thought the Yankees thought there was more potential there for Aaron Hicks than what he had shown. So oblique injuries can really derail a guy's season. Uh, so he's not an yeah. awful, awful fifth outfielder. He's a good fifth outfielder. I'll just say that he's fine as a fifth outfielder. I don't, I don't think at he's what he was at his best. No, me either. He does have good plate discipline. He does have some power, some speed, but the batted ball profile, pretty much a, a, a horrid line drive rate, one of the worst you'll see. That's what he said about um, Didi Gregorius, or he said that about his hard contact rate last year. So. Yeah, I think line drive rate is even more, even more damning for, uh, for Aaron Hicks and, and what, he, what's going to happen to his BAPIP and consequently his batting average. So that's just something to keep in mind. As a fifth outfielder, who cares? You know, that's not enough, yeah, enough exactly. reason to avoid him. Exactly. But. And the other point I wanted to make was in these two catcher leagues, I like to feel like I have some type of advantage at catcher. It doesn't mean I need to have Posey and Sanchez, but I don't want to be awful at catcher. All right, Scott White, you are up. You are the third pick, which you took Paul Goldschmidt, with which you took Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your team. All right. I will go through my team. I went with the bargain basement catching duo of Austin Barnes, Francisco Mejia. I think there is a ton of upside with them, and I drafted them. Uh, I should probably keep the rounds open here if I'm going to reference them like this. I drafted them both very late. Austin Barnes looks like he's going to be the Dodgers' primary catcher now. Had an incredible strikeout-to-walk ratio on base percentage as a part-timer last year. And um, in the middle of that lineup, uh, not necessarily the middle, but just being in that lineup, I think he could do a lot of damage. I got him in round 21, and I got Mejia in round um, 23. Mejia, of course, being the Indians' top prospect, not sure he's going to open the season with a job. But they were playing him at third base this offseason uh, in anticipation of calling him up to play that spot instead of catcher. Hmm. So a lot of potential there. Paul Goldschmidt, of course, is my first baseman. Jose Ramirez, my second baseman. Justin Turner, who I got in round five, actually two rounds after Donaldson. He's my third baseman. And Corey Seager is my shortstop. So Goldschmidt, Jose Ramirez, Justin Turner, Corey Seager. So you, you love infield, huh? You can see I invested in infield. Yeah. I just... I know outfield thins out faster, but you know they're filling those. There, you have those very specific slots to fill on the infield, and I just hate the idea of getting cornered out of any one of them. When outfields, 
you know, it's just a big giant pool that you can use to fill all those spots. So uh, Whit Merrifield is my middle infielder. A lot of stolen base help there. Travis Shaw is my corner infield. You know, clearly uh, I paid a pretty good amount even for the middle in, infield and, and corner infield spots. So let's talk. Let's talk outfield. Now. Let's talk outfield. Yes, let's do that. Tommy Pham, who is a top twelve outfielder for me, and I think I spent a fifth round pick on him. So I definitely paid for him. After that, though, we go Adam Jones, Eric Thames, um, Avisal Garcia, and Austin Hayes as my fifth outfielder. I don't, I don't dislike it. Tell me about I Austin don't. Hayes. What about Austin Tell Hayes? Tell me about Austin Hayes. talk about Austin Hayes? Yeah. Austin Hayes? Uh-huh. Let's talk about Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes is going to be the Orioles opening day right fielder. I firmly believe he is their, I, I think I'd say he's their top prospect. Um, I guess maybe it depends on what source you consult, but yeah, I think he's their top prospect. Pretty much everywhere. Okay. And last year between high class A and double A, he hit 329 with 32 homers and a 958 OPS. Very low strikeout rate. So, you know, that, that was a fairly legitimate 329. Obviously hasn't done it at the major league level, but got his feet wet the end of last year, hit a home run in 20 games, and uh, they really seem to like him. So as my fifth outfielder with the second to last pick, I think that's a good upside pick. And, you know, Adam Jones, probably a better number three than a number two, but he's very safe. And then you have Eric Thames and, and Avisel Garcia, who I think are both kind of questionable, but they're coming off good years overall. I know Thames was very front loaded, but the end production was pretty, you know, pretty good. And they complement each other well. Avisel Garcia with the batting average, Eric Thames with the big time power. Uh, I, th- I think it's a fine starting five. It's not the best in the league, but considering the amount I invested in my eight infield, I think it's pretty good. Uh, I mean, honestly, I don't think it's a very good outfield. I think, I think it's, again, it's Tommy Pham, Adam Jones, Avi Garcia, Eric Thames, and Austin Hayes. I think that your outfield is going to look very different. By the end of the year. But that's fine. I mean, there are still a lot of outfielders that you'll get off waivers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you know what? But you pay. I mean, it's a price you pay when you have a great infield. You, you know, you can't be great everywhere. Right, exactly. Matt Olson is my utility player. And I think he's going to hit 40-plus home runs this year. And I'm very excited to draft him in this format. I was very excited to get him in round 12. So, I drafted my four starting infielders, my middle infielder, my corner infielder, and my utility within the first 12 rounds. How many pitchers did you have at that point? How many pitchers did I have at that point? Well, let's look at my pitching staff. My pitching staff begins with Chris Archer. Round seven. Continues. Well, that's interesting because in points leagues, there's no way you're waiting seven rounds to take a hitter, to take a pitcher. Well, there's no way Chris Archer's available in round seven. Well, that's true. But, okay. All right, go ahead. Go on. Continue. Sonny Gray is number two, who is my 21st-ranked starting pitcher. Um, Garrett Cole is number three. I have three of my top 36 pitchers. So, you know, Archer's a low-end ace, but I don't think I've really lost pace with my two and numbers two and three there. It's not as good as your number two and three, but whatever. It's pretty good. Uh, and then, and then there's some upside picks here after, you know, four through, four through six starting pitchers. Mm, wow, I got, uh, wow, Dylan right. Bundy, yeah. Mike Clevenger, and Blake Snell. So it's Archer, Gray, Cole, mm-hmm. Bundy, Clevenger, Snell. Yep. And three relievers. Six of my top 50 pitchers. I have Snell 50th. Here's I don't the last know. This is, does not feel like a Scott White pitching staff. What is a Scott White pitching staff? A little more. Your number two pitcher would be better than Sonny Gray. Um, yeah, that's that's fair. I, you know, it kind of depends on the flow of the draft and where I think the value is as the draft is unfolding. And 
Um, Interesting. Yeah, I just didn't like the value up until I took Chris Archer. I thought the value was better among some of those infielders I was taking. So I think it's you can get away with that a little easier in a Roto League. And I meant to bring this up when we were talking about Justin Mason's team as well. Uh, like, you know, he, he took it to an extreme, obviously. Um, and I w- I'd be a little worried about the wins and strikeout potential with uh, with so many questionable innings there. But overall, innings aren't as important in this format as they are in a points format. They don't count for anything in and of themselves. Sometimes a surplus of innings can actually hurt your ERA and whip. Um, so, you know... If, if you're a middle of the pack in wins and strikeouts, you could still very much win a roto league. And uh, I don't think I necessarily put my and myself in a position where I'm condemned to being in the middle of the pack in those two categories. So I'm okay with it. All right, everybody, you can see the results. Scott's relievers are Sean Doolittle, Shane Green, and Rysel Iglesias. Iglesias, Doolittle, and Shane Green. You can see the results of this draft on CBSSports.com/fantasy. We're gonna get out of here. Everybody, have a great, great holiday. Just have an awesome time. Enjoy yourself. You might hear from us next week. If not, you'll hear from us in January. Thanks to Scott White. I'm Adam Azer. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. Take care.